Well, <clears throat> a small disclaimer, if, you, if you've been visiting, um, uh, we have been using the summer to go through a few different topics and what God's word says, what the Lord says about different topics. Um, and so we continue that uh, with the topic of serving. And so that's what we're going to talk about tonight, what God's word says about serving. Uh, we will not exhaust the subject, but we will, we will with God's help, uh, give it a try to, to cover as much ground as we can. So, um, so as tonight, as we think about serving, I, I kind of want to start with two scenarios when we think about serving in the church. The first scenario uh, would be people who don't serve at all. And so the story to go along with that would be a story of my own um, testimony uh, as someone growing up who grew up in the church as a second generation Christian. And so, by the way, if you're a kid and you hear the word second generation Christian, you should look up now because um, I could be very well, Lord willing, talking about you because this means there's, there's, there's no, there's no, um, you might struggle differently. You might struggle differently than others. And so this is one area where I struggled. So if you're a young person, please listen to this as you think about serving. So I grew up and I, I didn't think much about serving. I was a church consumer. And so I would come to church on Sunday and I would sit there in the morning and I would consume the sermon, love it, and then I would leave. And then I'd come back the next Sunday. And um, obviously that includes not serving at all. And it wasn't just not serving. Obviously, there are bigger underlying issues there. But that is one issue that we see in the church, people who don't serve, right? Um, one of the other issues we see in the church, uh, people that serve a lot, but for the wrong purpose. And this is a little bit trickier, because this is something where we have to search our own hearts. So a story, a quick story about this, a friend of mine who was a music pastor, um, he, he was tasked with a very hard job of... Um, replacing the choir because believe it or not churches had choirs at one point in time and uh at that time it was met with uh it was a big point of contention because um a lot of people didn't want to walk away from choir but as the choir was removed a lot of feedback started to roll in and one of the common themes was you took away my spiritual gift you took away the thing that i enjoyed doing what am i supposed to do now which is an interesting concept because what you start to see is what's in our hearts. Here are people that serve a lot, but in serving a lot, maybe they're serving for the wrong purpose. So I want to tackle those two issues, not serving, serving a lot, but serving for the wrong reason. Maybe you're burnt out. Maybe we've forgotten the reason we serve altogether. And so at any time we identify that we may have lost our way in something, praise God that he has given us his word, which speaks to all things, and it's good for us to go back to Scripture and see what the Bible teaches us about serving. So that's what we're going to do tonight. So I will tell you right now, we're going to turn to three different places uh, to look at this. And I'll announce them as we go. Um, so uh, if you have a Bible handy, uh, you can get ready. But let's start with the baseline question. What does the Bible say about serving? Is it even biblical? Is it even biblical? And an instant thought and an instant answer might say, well, yes, of course it's biblical. But why? How do we know? And so let's start with maybe the most common verse we know about, which is in Matthew 20, 
28. So if you have a Bible, you can turn to Matthew 20, 28. And as you're turning there, I'm going to give a little bit of background. So you have the mother of the sons of Zebedee approaching Jesus with a request that stirs up a bit of a quarrel among the disciples. And that quarrel is about the honor in the kingdom, getting their share. And what you have as a background is Jesus steps in, in this situation, and he says, oh, you've got it all wrong. You need to humble yourself and act as a servant. And I'm the example of this as I will be laying down my life as the ultimate act of service. Jesus was never to be unmatched in service and never will in the ultimate act of service. And so let's read a few verses here from from chapter 20, looking at, uh, starting with verse um, 25. Let's see here. So Jesus called them over and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and those in high positions act as tyrants over them. It must not be like that among you. On the contrary, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. One thing you might notice here early on is uh, the words, notice great among you. Right? It must not be like that among you. On the contrary, whoever wants to become, a, become great among you must be your servant, must be your slave. It's interesting that Jesus is pointing out the way the disciples should actually serve each other. They're actually, he's saying how you would be great among you and how you must be your servant. So it's interesting that Jesus takes it inward, talking about serving one another, the disciples serving one another. So we see that here, and then this same story is recorded in Luke, and so uh, let's turn quickly to Luke chapter 22. And in Luke chapter 22, we we get a little bit more information here, um, starting in verse 26. Same story. Verse 26. It is not to be like that among you, On the contrary, whoever is the greatest among you should become like the youngest, and whoever leads like the one serving. For who is greater, the one at the table or the one serving? I'm going to stop right there for a second. So in that first verse, in verse 26, it gives the contrast that the greatest should become the youngest, and the one who leads should be the one who serves. And then he asks the question, who is greater among you, the one serving Or the one at the table. It's not a trick question. To be served is great. If you've been sitting at any dinner in any restaurant, it's great to be served. Not as great to be the one serving. So it's not a trick question. But then he's actually, he actually says this in verse 29. I bestow on you a kingdom just as my father bestowed on me. So he asks the question, who's greater? And then he says, I'm the one serving you. So that you may be at my table. You may be at my table. I'm the one bestowing the kingdom on you so that you may eat and drink at my table. So Jesus tells them very clearly what they should do. Are you willing to lead? He says to the disciples, are you willing to lead not from a position of being served, 
but by humbling yourselves and serving others? Are you going to be a humble servant? Because the world is all about being served. The world takes the position of power. Even in serving, even as the world serves, it comes with an Instagram post to make sure that you saw that I served. It comes with some sort of declaration that, hey, look, I, look what I did, look what I did. But what about taking the position of the servant? What about the greater kingdom? And that's what Jesus is getting to. Is it not about the world and serving within this kingdom? Look to the greater kingdom and be a servant. And that's what Jesus is saying. So to answer our question, is serving biblical, it is a definitive yes from our Savior, from our Savior who says this. Our lives should be marked by humble service to others and in and out of the church. So later on, Jesus actually gives the disciples a preview of this in laying down his life for many as a ransom as he washes their feet in the upper room. And I would just encourage you to go back and read through the upper room where many, many things happen. One of which is servanthood. And we get a great picture of Jesus as the suffering servant. And if you want to know more about that, I would, I would suggest a book, Lessons from the Upper Room by Sinclair Ferguson. It really can help you think about all the aspects of what happened there in the upper room, including how we see Jesus as the great servant. So that helps us answer the question, is it biblical? We see our Lord and Savior doing it. We know to follow him. It opens the next question, well then why do we serve? Why should I serve in the church? Why do I need to serve? Because once again, like I said, the the world serves. And the world will serve for a million motivations. Right? So they see serving as making us feel good about ourselves. We might go volunteer somewhere. Okay, that makes me feel better about myself. We might go do it in a self-righteous manner. We might see that the world serves just because they love others. That's fair enough. But what you do see in the world is that serving is an end. And serving isn't an end in Christianity. Really, it's serving the Lord who, through serving others. So we are serving the Lord. So Jesus is our example. He also gives us the command to love one another as he has loved us. And so one way that we can love one another is by serving each other and doing it to God's glory. And we're going to look at that as well. So as I said, Jesus won't be unmatched in service. He is the ultimate servant. He made the ultimate sacrifice. He died on the cross for sinners. And so do we see this? Do we see that to walk closely with the Lord, to love him, to know him deeply, to delight in him, and to say, oh Lord, make me like you, change my heart to be more like you, is to set the stage for God-glorifying servant's heart, for a God-glorifying servant's heart. We serve differently than the world because we are called to God's glory. We are called to serve to God's glory. And Peter shows us this. So third, third passage, last passage we're going to turn to is 1 Peter 4. And so Peter shows us, he tells us that we are to serve to glorify God. And we see this in 1 Peter 4, 11. So, so 1 Peter 4, 11. 
If anyone speaks, let it be as one who speaks God's words. If anyone serves, let it be from the strength that God provides, so that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ in everything. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Why do we serve? Why do we? Why do Christians serve? It's so that God may be glorified. And so maybe you struggle with this. Maybe you serve and you don't know why. Maybe you've been serving in church for a long time. Maybe you feel underappreciated. Maybe you feel like you serve a lot and no one's really paying attention. Maybe you feel like, maybe you feel like asking yourself, am I glorifying myself? Am I satisfying some self-need? Well, I would encourage you. God calls us to serve and worship him alone. So our motives deserve prayerful investigation. Our motives deserve prayerful investigation. We can ask the Lord for help. Lord, how do I serve you? How do I serve you? And so that's a prayer. That's a prayer that we should be asking ourselves. Lord, as I walk back into church with a servant's heart, how do I do this for you? And so that asks that question, asks another, that, that leads to another question. How? How are we to serve? So let's look back at our verse here. 1 Peter 4.11 If anyone speaks, let it be as one who speaks God's words. If anyone serves, let it be from the strength that God provides. From the strength that God provides. Where does our strength come from? It comes from God. And it was great to hear this this morning as as we talked about this in in the third chapter of John. That we, we try to rely on our own strength and it does nothing. But it is God's strength that we need. Serving in the church is self-denial in practice. Serving in the church is self-denial in practice. When we are serving others, we should be engaged, happy to do it, doing it to God's glory. And these are not achievable on our own strength. We may think that it's our own strength because of talent. So talent can be tricky, right? We have many talented people in our church. And so even within our own talent, it is a God-given talent. Are we are we praising God for that he has given us these abilities? So we tend to complain also when we aren't doing something for ourselves and we can be tempted to, to serve mindlessly, especially if we're talented. Because we think, oh, I can just do this. I could just get up on stage and I can play drums. I could just go into the back and I can just teach. But really, if we're doing it for ourselves and we're not doing it for God, or we tend to rely on our talent, we're not doing it for the Lord. And, and in a way, it's as if we're saying, I'll be a servant. Lord, I will be a servant. I will serve in the church. But I may not be a humble servant. So how are we to serve? We must remember that it is from God's strength, with the strength that comes from the Lord. So Peter reminds us that the strength to serve is not in ourselves, but in the Lord. And this is a hard concept, especially if you've ever prepared for something. If you've ever spent hours working on, say, uh, children's ministry, or if you've ever spent hours working on a study, and if it doesn't go the way you planned, it's because before we know it, we start to fade away from wanting to do it for the Lord, and we start to fade towards, I've got to control this thing. 
And that's, that's not what we're called to do. We're called to do it from and with the Lord's help. So a mini application here. You pray before you go into ministry. Children's ministry, greeting team, helping others move on the weekends. Do we pray before we go do these things? Lord, let me bless others through serving them. And let this be from the strength you provide. It's a good prayer to have. Lord, as, as, as simple as this may be, let me do it from the heart and let me do it to your glory. And let me know that it comes from your strength, from the strength you provide. So three points of application to, to get practical about serving. So number one uh, is this point. Commune, don't consume. And so... I didn't come up with that. Catherine came up with that, but I thought it was pretty good. (laughs) Commune, don't consume. All able-bodied members should be serving in the local church in some capacity. And I'll tell you from my heart that serving and growing with brothers and sisters is linked. So going back to the story about me putting up the walls and wanting to be at church from 9.30 to 11.30 and leave, I can tell you that serving was an entry point and God used that in my life. Serving and being around others was a direct, there's a direct correlation there between lukewarmness in my own heart about the church and my life in general and service. And so service means getting close to people outside those hours of 9.30 to 10.30 on a Sunday morning. And so I think that's important for our youth. If you're listening, this is a good way now. Start serving now. Look for opportunities. Look for ways and do it to the glory of God. So if we peel back some of our own worries, it wasn't all about not serving in the end, but it was really about not wanting to get too close with others. And that's true for some of us, that we may not serve because we may not want to get too close with others. But one of the best ways that we can handle that is to dive in full force, even when you're uncomfortable, and find a way to serve in the church. If we move away from the consumption mindset, I come to church, I get what I want, and I leave, and instead we get involved in serving, we naturally start to know more about other people's lives. We start to ask others how they're doing spiritually. We get to open up to them about our struggles and the ways that we can pray for one another. And before you know it, you're starting to commune with others. So commune, don't consume. All right, second point of application, serve where the need is. Serve where the need is. When you commit to a local church, you end up taking on a debt, and that's a debt of needs. And so we should be seeking out those needs, and we should fill the gaps. And so I, I like to use the, the thought of a buffet line where the people that are in there early get what they want, And then all that's left is the stuff that nobody else wants, right? So if you're in the back of the line, sorry, here's all the stuff that nobody wanted. But it's second nature for us to snatch up the job we want and enjoy doing it. I enjoy doing this, so yeah, I'm going to take this. And it's just as natural for us to avoid the things we feel unqualified for or simply don't want to do. I don't really want to do that. So one of the problems with doing the things that we just want to do in the church is that that thought process brings us right back into the temptation of really serving ourselves under the disguise of serving God. 
And sometimes this can take different forms in the way that we, we kind of try to skirt these duties, even to the point of trying to come up with our own ministry where we don't really have a need, but doing it anyway. But I can tell you exactly why this hurts when we start to do the things we just want to do and not look directly for the needs in the church. And that's because it can hurt other people. See, there are forward-facing ministries in the church, things where people get to serve, and then they get to come and sit back down, and they get to sit under the preaching of the word and be edified week by week. But then there are backward-facing ministries in the church where people serve in childcare, maybe serving in security, maybe doing something where they're pulled away from the preaching of, of the word. And naturally, there's just never enough backward-facing servants, those that get pulled away. And one of the ways we can love our brothers and sisters is by partaking in the tasks that pull them away from corporate worship, that pull them away from uh, Sunday by Sunday preaching of the word. So I would just encourage you to look for ways in which you can serve, not just in the church, but really serve brothers and sisters by taking on the load of backward-facing ministries, of things that pull people away from the preaching of the word. I also want to point out that we actually want people to seek out needs and develop a ministry where others haven't served before. I praise God that we see things and we pray for things that people that are on people's hearts all the time. Praise God that we have that ability, that God has shown us through other people, hey, I think we should be serving in this area. Yes, of course, let's go do it. And then that leaves a group of people that aren't sure where to serve. And so if that's you, and if you're looking for other ways to think about how do I serve through the week, not just Sunday, but through the week, are your kids off to college? Are you empty nesters? Are you retired? Do you have free time? Are you single? Do you have and are you looking for other ways to serve but just not sure what to do? One thing to consider is this ministry, and it's called the Ministry of Availability. The Ministry of Availability. Call moms who need help with kids. Call the church office and see if they need anything. Call like-minded churches and see what, they, what their needs are. Call other members in your church and just ask, how can I be serving you? How can I, how can I be helping you? Right? You don't have to come up with a ministry out of thin air. That is the ministry of availability. I think it's a very important ministry. Okay, last point of application. Serve to God's glory. Serve to God's glory. As we read that in 1 Peter, there's a bit of a, an equation there in 1 Peter 4.11. Serve from the heart plus doing it for the Lord minus doing it for people equals wholehearted service to God's glory. Doing it from the heart plus doing it for the Lord minus doing it for people wholehearted service to God's glory. And so what stands in the way of solving that equation? Oftentimes it's our pride. It's our selfishness. It's burnout and serving. It's doing it for the wrong reasons. But this is important. Transcending high above the simple topic of, of serving in the church, God calls us to replace our selfishness and pride with humility. 
He calls us to replace all that selfishness and that pride with humility. And that is where the idea of the humble servant comes from. So at the end of the buffet line is where all the desserts are. And there's always humble pie. So humble pie is the last piece. Always available. So serving God wholeheartedly and to his glory is how we put off pride, put off bitterness, worry less about being appreciated, and lift our working hands to the Lord, right? Jesus knows that serving was a hard issue. He loved his father perfectly and therefore loved his people, and we are called to reflect Jesus. The joy of serving comes from really serving to God's glory. So we serve a God who hears our requests to be brought low in order that we may make much of him. And this is strange to the world, that they would walk in, that people who don't know the Lord would walk in and see people serving and not for their own glory and not to throw it on Instagram, but doing it because they love the Lord. And isn't that what we want to be marked by? Isn't that what we want to be marked by? Our love for the Lord. So to his glory alone, may we serve with a joyful heart. And so Romans, I'm going to end with this, Romans 11:36. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we, we pray that we would search our own hearts in the way that we love our brothers and sisters, in the way that we glorify you. So Lord, would we... Before we think about serving, Lord, would we think about why we do it? Would we think about how we can do it to your glory? From the simplest task to, to the things that even bring us joy and the things that are hard to do, dear Lord. Would all of those things be done to your glory and would it be done with joy in our hearts? Would we love you? Would we love your people? Would we seek to see your name made great? We pray this in your holy name. Amen.